Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome to another episode of the Thought Leadership Project podcast. I'm Jay Harrington. My co-host, Tom Nixon, can't join us today, but we do have a great guest uh, to bring to you for the podcast. Samantha McKenna is an award-winning sales leader and speaker. Uh, She spent a dozen years in the legal space in an executive sales roles, um, and she recently launched her own consulting firm, which we'll get into as we move through this podcast today. Um, Sam, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Jay. Of course, yeah, and I'm uh, excited to talk to you today. I think we're going to talk about an issue that is near and dear to uh, both our hearts and hopefully for all of the lawyers out there who are listening, who are um, going to be trying to get off to a fast start from a, a sales and business development standpoint in the new year. Um, so you've, you've uh, written extensively about sales and business development in the legal space and have, I think, um, a lot of great insight and advice to give to um, those who are out there trying to build books of business, um, either to grow one or, or to even get started. So um, there are uh, some tips that you've provided in the past that I think are, are really fundamental building blocks of, of uh, building business in, as, a, as a lawyer, building a practice. Um, so I was hoping to maybe go through some of those today and we can have a conversation about it. Um, and and the first one, uh, which is, I think, something that every lawyer struggles with, is making time for business development when you're busy. Um, can you address that, Sam, and, and kind of talk about ways that lawyers need to think about that issue? Yeah, so I think, Jay, I think this is probably one of the most important things, right? And it's, it's not just a struggle for attorneys, it's a struggle for anybody that's doing sales whatsoever. When you are busy and you have work in front of you and projects that you're working on, it's really hard for you to take the mentality of this will not last forever and I need to build business now and I need to build a pipeline now. It's very common even for people in sales to kind of have a roller coaster effect. And what I mean by that is that one quarter They'll knock it out of the park and close a lot of deals. And then the next quarter, they won't because they've closed all of their deals. And now they're building pipeline, which of course then means what? The following quarter will be great. And then the next quarter isn't. So think about when you're busy and when you have projects on your table, this is the most important time for you to build business because you're already busy. And this will mean that in the future, you have more work to to work on. I can think about this even for just recently launching my own sales consultancy. I've been fortunate enough to have an unbelievable amount of inbound demand, but that may or may not last forever. And so one of the things that's really important for me is to think, this is wonderful, but let me ensure my future success by building business now, building pipeline now, going to the lunches that are necessary now, so that in another quarter or a year, I'll still have that inbound coming in. Yeah, I think that's critical. Uh, And I think one of the things, too, just to expand upon that, is that staying consistent with your business development is the thing that will allow you to uh, make sure that you are able to be a little bit uh, choosy when it comes to uh, selective, when it comes to um, taking on clients. When you have that roller coaster effect where you're up and then you're down and, and you're slow all of a sudden and you need to bring work in, that's when sometimes you make some compromises that lead to maybe not ideal client relationships. So, um, you know, I like to think about this in terms of carving out time for yourself every day. Uh, if you can at least spend 15 minutes, 30 minutes, um, up to an hour, focus on business development every day, you're going to avoid that roller coaster effect. So, um, your second point, Sam, is remember the five W's. Can you talk to us a little bit about the W's? 
Yeah, so let's let's think about this in a common scenario. Uh, anyone from a lawyer to anyone in sales finds ourselves in, right? Where we submit a response to an RFP uh, or we submit a proposal um, based on client needs, and the client responds and says, "Hey, thanks so much for this. We'll review internally and we'll get back to you." Um, it's very very common for people to come back to that and say, "Great, thanks," and then just sit and wait. But don't be that person. Here's a great way that you can set yourself apart and keep the conversation going. So the five W's, we, we all know these from grade school, right? So who, let's think about who is involved in making this decision. Did you submit your proposal to a team of attorneys, but it's actually going to be the chairs of the practice group, or it's actually going to be um, the general counsel versus the AGCs that you're speaking to, or the, C the corporate counsels that you're speaking to that's gonna make the decision? Who is actually involved, right? Understand who that is, and think about, do you have any connections to those decision makers? Did they perhaps work with your firm prior uh, to the engagement that you're trying to land now? What are the dots that you can connect there? What is the second W? And that's thinking about what's the biggest problem that you're solving for? Do you truly have an understanding of what that is? What is the deadline? When is that deadline is our third W? So when is the deadline to make a decision? And also, why is it scheduled then? Is the decision being made due to budgets? Is it being made due to um, you know, a ruling that's coming up or a client's very specific client need that has urgency? We need to understand what the urgency is so we can also understand what the timing of us potentially getting this deal. Now, I'll tell you this too from a sales perspective that a lot of sales people just assume because we're having a conversation now that there's urgency to that. But there's a lot of conversations that happen proactively and thinking about planning for 2020. For instance, I know a lot of the sales individuals and the attorneys that I'm working with are working on projects that aren't going to come into fruition until September or October of next year. But it takes this long to vet. So understanding the why of when the decision is being made is really important so you can also understand of the when. And then the final part for the W's is where is the decision-making team situated? Do, like I said earlier, do you know anybody there? Do you know anyone in the, the inner circle of the decision-making team? Um, are the key influencers or the decision-makers people that you know or that connected to other people at the firm and other practice groups? There's so many different things that you can leverage in terms of personal connections um, that it's really a waste to not do that. So really understand where are those people, where are they located physically, um, and is there even an opportunity to go and visit them in person? Your third tip, Sam, uh, don't rush to discount. Yes. So I find that a lot of people, lawyers included, uh, will rush to offer an alternative fee. So before, before even having a chance to understand, are we meeting the client's needs? Do they respect what we do? Do they understand the value of the work that we bring forward? They immediately say, okay, my, my normal fee is 1100 an hour or 995 an hour. Um, but here's my proposal and I'll discount and, you know, we'll come up with an alternative fee, um, you know, mixed labor as well between associates and partners. And now we're going to be at an alternative fee of $6.95. Why discount out of the gate, right? There's nothing that's motivated you to do that unless the client has specifically shared, this is the best that we can do from an hourly billable. And if you can't meet that, we're not going to do business with you. But you should have done your work in terms of proving your value throughout the sales process and the business development process and working with this engagement. So if you've done your value, make sure that they also understand the rate that you normally bill at. Because whatever rate you give first is going to be the rate that's anchored in their mind. And then they're going to ask for a discount on top of that. So it's important, one, that you're proving the value. But then two, don't rush to that discount immediately. 
ask a lot of questions, really dig into the, the challenges that they're looking to solve. See if there's even more work that you can do versus just answering the, the limited scope of what they've given you so far. And be honest about your rate. I think one of the easiest things that I can give you as a tip too is that most people are concerned and say, well, Sam, if I give them my $1,100 an hourly rate uh, and an hour rate, and then they come back and say, we can only pay $695, I've lost the deal because you know that's all they can pay and they're not going to come back and negotiate with me. So what I would say to that as a tip is to always say, this is my rate and this is what I've structured in terms of what you're looking for. But depending on a few factors, we could probably make this flexible. Um, so it doesn't have to be exactly that. Take a look at this, what we can offer you, what you think so far. And once you're ready to move forward a little bit down the line, let's see if we can't sharpen the pencil a little. So it opens the door for that negotiation, right? It tells them that, yes, you can flex on your rate a little bit. And it gives them the opportunity to come back and say, we love you, but your rate's too high. We'd love to hire you so long as we can make something work. Right. Yeah. If, if they perceive you, if you're properly positioned, they perceive you as an expert. Um, they're not necessarily looking for a discount, right? They're looking for your expertise. So I think in that instance, yeah, I totally agree. Don't rush to concede anything. Frankly, um, it's an opportunity to try to get a concession out of, out of the prospective client. It's, that's, that's always a good signal that it's uh, a good idea to continue to move forward in the sales process. Um, if you're dealing with a client who's just beating you up on price alone, then they probably see you as um, someone whose expertise or, or lack thereof is interchangeable with many others. And if you're interchangeable or at least perceived as such, you're going to have a hard time getting the price you want anyway, and it might not be the right client. So um, in that polite struggle for control, pricing is oftentimes the thing that um, a lawyer needs to try to push back on or at least hold, hold his or her ground. Um, speaking of pushing back politely, uh, <laughs> that's, that's your next tip. So if you talk about a little bit about that, Sam. Yeah. So I, I think, let me give you an example of this. When I, when I was very, very new in sales, um, I had a client that came forward and said, <clears throat> Sam, we would love to hire you, but we need to do this process via route A, B, and C. Can you do it? And in my mind, I thought, no, we can only do A, B, and D. And I panicked. Okay. How are we, how are we going to work with this client? And I remember going back to my executive team and saying, we have to figure out a way to do A, B, and C. And they said, well, why does your client want to do it A, B, and C? And I thought, well, I don't know. And so this was such an important lesson to me because we came back and said, we understand A, B, and C, but can you help us understand why? Can you walk us through why A, B, and C is critical? Because we can actually do A, B, and D, and we'd like to educate you on ideas so much more important, valuable, effective for you than C. And what was amazing is that that client said, okay, tell us more about that. And we were able to change their perspective. We were able to be consultative. We were able to educate them just by pushing back. Now, I'm sure tons of people come back and say, sure, A, B, and C, you got it, $9.95 an hour, let's go. Um, but think about the polite pushback. Or even if you have somebody that says, you know, we're, we're really entertaining retaining new counsel for a specific project, and we are really interested in you, but now is not the right time. So a lot of people will say, that sounds good. When's the right time? And they'll say, in a year. And you're like, okay, great. But why is now not the right time, right? You can be polite and you can be um, non-aggressive 
and just saying, that sounds great. Can you help me understand a little bit about what's going to change in the year? Or perhaps there's other things that I could do for you in the meantime, not specifically related to this project, but what are your goals and your priorities for the next year? Just continue the conversation. Be polite about it. Again, you don't have to be aggressive in any way. I've never been that way in my life. I always like to be polite and mind my manners. Um, but just by giving a little bit of pushback and getting the conversation rolling, you'll get so much more information and you might even change the perception and perspective of your client. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And, and, and the one follow-up point is sometimes that pushback or that, that follow-up is the thing that'll allow you to get to know more quickly as well. And, and as someone who's pursuing opportunities, if, if it's a no from the client, you want to know that early um, as opposed to having a, a long drawn out process where they're sort of, you know, for whatever reason, they, they don't feel comfortable just giving you an outright no, but you want to know that as someone because of, um, you know, you, you have limited time to pursue these opportunities. Uh, next tip, Sam, the urgent bird gets the worm. <laughs> Jay, I feel like this tagline should be tattooed on my forehead. It's the <laughs> core of what I believe. So, Again, I'm, I'm a big storyteller, so I'll give you another example here. Um, I recently retained a counsel for a personal tax attorney, and I had a few recommendations. I reached out to a few uh, ta separate tax attorneys saying, this is, this is my need for my business and um, kind of the structure of it. Would love to hear your feedback, your expertise, et cetera. Um, of the six emails that I sent, I only got two responses back in a reasonable amount of time. And I consider a reasonable amount of time a couple of days, but frankly, within the week. So the very first person that wrote back, probably wrote back within about two hours, said, I'm happy to discuss this with you, suggested times immediately for us to meet before the second person had even responded. We had already had the first meeting. And frankly, it's usually the first person that gets to somebody that wins the business. Because honestly, anybody that's hiring somebody, they want to hire the right person, but they also just want to make the decision quickly. They want to get the decision making off of their plate. So if you get to me first and you show that you're really competent in what you do, you bring some great ideas forward um, and you display that sense of urgency, you're going to win the business, which is exactly what this individual did. And so what I would say, think about this too with pertinent information that you have with your clients, right? Um, even if you're in an RFP cycle, right? Now, of course, there's all sorts of compliance issues for you to consider, but Perhaps you send an RFP, uh, you respond to an RFP, you send your response in, um, you've got all the information, but let's say in a couple of days you come across a piece of information and you think oh, this would be really valuable to the case um, that we're trying to win and the business that we're trying to win, let's say from, I don't know, General Electric. A lot of people just don't think to share that information. They file that information away and they say, I'm going to, when we get the business, I'm going to send this to them and I'm going to show them how smart I am. Why not just send it to them now? Send them that piece of information and say, hey, I came across this. I thought of you. This would be really pertinent. Um, here's what I got out of the article or this update that just came down um, from the Supreme Court or whatever it was, this ruling that was just made. I have information that I feel would offer you a good perspective and continues to show you what an expert I am. So just displaying that urgency and that the prospect and that your clients are top of mind massively set you apart and most likely consider you winning the business over everybody else. All right. Fess up quickly to your mistakes. <laughs> uh, also one of my favorites. So I think that there's, um, you, we've all been there in, in scenarios where something just hasn't quite worked out right with the client engagement, right? And I think one of the most frustrating things to hear when you are the client is just to have somebody say, um, not sure how that was missed, but anyway, let's just move forward. I think the 
the biggest way that you can set yourself apart here, just from a business development perspective, right? And to, con con to make sure, ensure that your client doesn't churn and goes elsewhere and maintains that loyalty is to fess up when things go wrong. So taking accountability, taking ownership for those mistakes, and then saying, we could have really done this better. And by the way, you're saying this proactively. You're not saying this after your client has pointed out your mistakes. Right? You say, we could have done this better. We really didn't. Here's what I think we can do to correct the actions moving forward. Um, but in a you that it'll never happen again. I think a lot of the, the communications that I hear now is that loyalty is dead, right? Everybody's running to the cheapest, uh, you know, law firm these days or whoever can come up with the, the lowest billable rate. I don't think that loyalty is dead, but loyalty is dead if you're not maintaining your client relationships correctly. And one of the most important things that you can do is when things go wrong, take accountability for it. Don't just to say, I'm sorry for your frustrations. Let's move forward. Take accountability, own up to it, talk about what you're doing to ensure that the action is corrected and that won't happen again, and then move forward. And again, this will make a massive difference in, in the predictability of keeping your clients. Yeah, it's not, it's not the mistake itself. Oftentimes, it's, the, it's how you deal with it. And, and oftentimes, that can definitely, just to re reinforce that uh, point you made, Sam, that's the thing that can strengthen, not weaken the relationship. Um, all right, so last tip here, help to connect the dots. Yes. So social selling is uh, probably my one of my favorite things ever. And there's so much information that you can get from LinkedIn, um, especially, right? Not biased having been a prior LinkedIn employee, but there's so much information at your fingertips that people just don't think to use. And then even when you have the information, you don't use it because you're not quite sure what to do with it. So there was a um, senior associate that I was recently uh, guiding in business development, but honestly, this associate was also thinking about applying for a new job. And so there was a lateral hire opportunity, a, dif a different firm. And I remember the associate saying, I want to pick your brain on something that I'm not quite sure what to do with. And I said, okay, let's talk about this. And he said, I know two of the partners at this firm. And I also know one of the uh, chairs of the practice groups. I'm applying for this job. Do you think that I should reach out to those partners or to the chair of the practice group and tell them that I put in my resume? Gave me such pause, Jay, because I thought, yes, of course. I can't believe this is even a question. Absolutely, right? You have these social relationships that are really important. This is not um, you know, out of compliance. It's nothing overly aggressive. It's saying, hey guys, the three of you know me, you know the value I can bring, you know my education. I wanted to give you a heads up that I'm applying for this job. It's not in your practice group. Um, it's not even in your same city. But I wanted to let you know in case you can help put in a good word for me. Absolutely. Think about this as well in terms of the data that you can use for winning deals and um, anything that's business development related, right? At the end of the day, if you don't know anything about how to truly build business development, and if you don't really understand how to do sales or just feel uncomfortable doing sales, the best thing I can tell you is just to social sell. Use your network and think who knows who, right? Relationship selling, we can do that. So you can use tools like LinkedIn Sales Navigator, or you can just use the basic LinkedIn that you have to say, I am pitching Mary Johnson at this particular line of business in, again, we'll go to General Electric. Look at Mary's profile on LinkedIn. Do you know anybody who knows her? Or if you're one of the firms that does have Sales Navigator and can open up your who knows who network throughout the entire firm, see, are there lawyers and partners at your firm or even you know legal aides, anyone in marketing, business development that know these people? It's really interesting, but a lot of these connections reside through personal instances. So 
somebody might be connected on LinkedIn because they're neighbors um, with their parents or their in-laws or they roomed together in college or they clerked for the same judge. Um, and it's great because you can leverage these relationships to say, you know this person, I don't know this person, but I'm trying to build a better relationship or I'm trying to get in the door, can you help me? So just being aware of that and the power of the data that exists by just what's out on LinkedIn can be tremendously beneficial to you. Um, and honestly, who doesn't wanna work with somebody that already has a recommendation from somebody else that they know? Um, so just a great way to get your foot in the door in a much faster way, and that feels a little less salesy in my opinion. Yeah, that, that was really great, Sam. Thank you so much for uh, giving us so much value in a, in a short period of time. Um, I think those are all great tips that everyone would uh, benefit from, from following uh, in, in the new year. So um, I mentioned at the opening and the outset of the show that you have uh, recently left and, and started an entrepreneurial venture, um, hashtag Sam Sales Consulting. Uh, can you take a few moments, Sam, and Tell us uh, about what you're focused on, kind of some of the value that you're providing to your clients, and then also where people can find out more about you and perhaps connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jay. So um, the, the consulting practice has really opened up uh, just as a way to do sales transformation. So outside of working with um, my lawyers that I, I love and adore, um, I'm working with a lot of smaller SaaS organizations, so software as a service uh, technology companies, and larger organizations as well, all on sales coaching and business development coaching. Um, so really looking at the insides of smaller organizations or the insides of sales at larger organizations and say, how can we apply all the things that have made me successful over the course of my career um, and build into process that's scalable and repeatable across your business? Now, I will say that um, I'm kind of minoring, if you will, and still working with so many attorneys, uh, specifically on business development, but specifically using Sales uh, Navigator through LinkedIn. So if you have heard of LinkedIn Navigator before um, and you're curious about more, feel free to reach out. If you haven't, heard about it, what I will tell you that Sales Navigator does is basically leverages all of the data and intelligence that's available on LinkedIn and serves it up specifically to updates that are specific to your book of business. So instead of having to sit through, you know, the 19 updates from your coworkers and then that woman that you met at a conference 16 years ago, um, now you have something that gives you data, insights, and intelligence about your clients specifically, the industries that you care about, um, and, I, and also just on job change reports that are matter to you. So if your clients are changing jobs or uh, people are going into new jobs that are really important to you in terms of titles, you'll get all of this served up to you without really having to lift a finger. Um, so yeah, so that's the core, core of my focus there. If you want to find out more about me, I am, of course, on LinkedIn. Uh, and then you can also follow my hashtag, which is hashtag Sam sales. You will find an inordinate amount of business development and sales tips for lawyers and uh, salespeople alike. So please uh, give me a follow there or feel free to reach out and connect on LinkedIn. Sounds great, Sam. Uh, exciting stuff. And I do definitely encourage everyone uh, who is interested in, in any issues related to sales and business development to follow Sam. And, and she, she's a, a prolific thought leader and, and has a lot of great information out there um, for you to improve your own practices. So, so thank you very much, Sam, for joining us. Um, it was, I think, a, a valuable episode for our, for our listeners. And to all our listeners out there, thank you. And tune in next week for another episode. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. 
For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.